0: Hey, everyone, Derek here from Conspirituality. I didn't grow up in a very culinary family, but my Eastern European roots did afford me the ability to cook a pretty good chicken paprikash. It's actually one of the few meals from my upbringing that I was very fond of. And I like to prep all of my food in advance, usually hours before, so that way, when I get down to cooking, it's all ready for me. In fact, I used all of the chicken in my last shipment of Butcher Box to cook chicken paprakash. It is definitely a favorite here. ButcherBox really allows you to have everything on hand so that when you are ready to make your meal, you pop out of the freezer, give it a day, and you're ready to go. Right now, ButcherBox is offering Conspirituality listeners your choice of a weeknight meal must have for free in every order for a whole year. So that's either three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or a pound of steak tips. Plus, you'll get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com www.conspirituality.com and use code CONSPIRITUALITY to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Spirituality Patreon Bonus Sample. Hello
1: everybody, I'm Matthew Remsky here with a Patreon bonus episode called The Dalai Lama Spectacle. Remember that you can follow us on Instagram at conspiritualitypod. And if you're listening to this bonus sample on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe to hear the full episode right in the app. Also, please order our book through the link at the bottom of the show notes for this episode and check out this endorsement from Dr. Anne Glague, Associate Professor of Religion and Cultural Studies, specializing in Buddhism at the University of Central Florida. Quote, Conspirituality is an urgently needed, compelling, and accessible analysis of the deeply troubling proliferation and promotion of conspiracy theories within contemporary spirituality and wellness culture. Combining cutting-edge critique and empathetic context, it illuminates the financial incentives of the conspiracy producers and the underlying facilitating conditions of neoliberal precarity. The authors should be congratulated for identifying the real threats of conspirituality to societal bonds, public health, and participatory democracy. Chapter one, why cover this and why now? So just a word to regular and new listeners. I want to be very clear, and I think this should be abundantly obvious from our record that in no way do i or the podcast condone tolerate minimize or deflect attention from sexual abuse whether it directly or indirectly impacts men women non-binary people or children or whole communities so i won't be doing that here quite the opposite through good sourcing and historical context My aim is to see the landscape of this strange incident clearly, and that process is central to our beat, because sex abuse, as both a reality and a spectral presence, is often at the heart of conspiracy theory discourse. The spectral presence part stems from an increasingly global institutional distrust rooted in a knowledge that powerful people almost always get away with abject crimes. When survivors of child sexual abuse must struggle to be heard over years and decades, and when there is no accountability for documented abuse, as there almost never is, it makes sense that exaggerated stories amplified by the algorithms are a natural response. The result is that our shared understanding of child sexual abuse, its perpetrators and incidence rate, is less rather than more understood. Two months ago, Tenzin Gyatso, the 14th Dalai Lama of Tibet, was accused of child sexual abuse by a bafflingly diverse range of stakeholders, from Chinese Communist Party propagandists and shitposters to white Marxist-Leninist TikTok tankies who think that Mao liberated Tibet to QAnon grifters, photoshopping Jeffrey Epstein's head onto the Dalai Lama's maroon-robed body. That was confusing enough, but when those same accusations came from American social justice activists and trauma therapists, that provided a window into the heart of our podcast thesis, that otherwise left-leaning and progressive altruists letting their instincts loom larger than the evidence, can add fuel to the fire of conspiracism. When the Dalai Lama sticks out his tongue at a public event streamed online and asks an Indian boy to suck it, whatever he meant by that, and we'll get to that, we are presented with an uncanny moment that points down many roads, towards an older and unfamiliar intimacy, a hidden but suspected ugliness, or the land of a thousand fever dreams. Figuring out where these roads converge has to involve accurate and nuanced reporting. And on that note, I've written for years on the incidents, contexts, and cover-ups and outcomes of Physical and sexual abuse in spiritual communities, including an investigation of intergenerational abuse in the Shambhala Buddhist group, and a book on the criminal acts of the founder of Ashtanga Yoga. And one of the reasons that I've never had to issue corrections is that I've corroborated all primary source interviews, and I've waited until the story is solid before taking a strong position. Now, is this story solid yet? I dug in for long enough and talked to enough sources to feel that it's unlikely it will ever be stamped and sealed, so I won't be taking a strong position. What I'm doing here is reviewing both the incident and the media response, with the benefit of multiple sources and a review of the recent history that set the stage for this demoralizing spectacle. I've taken many weeks to put this together, in part because it's so complicated and in part because any attempt to provide context or nuance to the story in the immediate aftermath was instantly and understandably tagged as suspicious or insensitive. Now, at this point, this report has missed the news cycle, but I hope that it captures something more complete.